This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. I don't quite know what episode number this episode is going to end up being, but I am going to talk about horns. Uh, Ran another little uh, voting tally on my Instagram, which is at goat underscore doc. And at first I thought I was going to get to talk about body condition scoring, which was going to be fun. Uh, but I'll talk, I'll talk about it eventually. I want, I sometimes wonder if I'm going to run out of things to talk about, about goats. Seems unlikely. Uh, but horns beat out talking about body condition scoring, uh, at the last minute. So that's what this episode is going to be about. I'm driving my husband's car at the moment because my truck is getting worked on and I feel like the sound is louder but maybe it's not and uh, I'll have to see how it all comes out. Turns out my truck needs like a whole bunch of new suspension which is less than ideal but that probably is what happens when you have a big box full of stuff in the bed of your Tacoma and anyone who's ever driven with me uh, I drove around last summer with a student and I think she laughed at my driving a few times um, I, I'm an impatient driver so yeah my my Tacoma is going to get some work and uh, I was thinking that I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Sorry. Um, I was thinking that I'm going to do like a video of a tour of my vet truck because it was interesting to me. And I never even thought about this, that I had some vet students. We have vet students come to our farm um, usually every spring uh, because we participate in the Tufts uh, coming schools adopt a vet student program, which is a first year required credit. Um, and first year vet students have to go to a working farm and, uh, to experience what it's like on a working farm. Oh, I have to pay attention to where I'm going because I'm supposed to pick up pizza on the way home. And if I don't pay attention, I'm going to go the wrong way. Uh... Okay. Good. No one's behind me as I drive erratically. Um, so yeah, vet students come to our place in the spring. They have to spend two days on the farm and it's not really about vet med. It's about knowing what it's like on a working farm. Um, they tend to like when students come to my place, they tend to see a little bit more vet medy stuff maybe because, I'm a vet, um, but the one of the students, like, I was getting some stuff out of my truck, 
because um, we were attacking an eyelid on a little doe kid this spring and she was like wow what's this I had no idea and I was like wow you're a vet student you didn't know about vet boxes so I discovered well I'm I'm like I've said lately I'm trying to do more social media type stuff and I discovered this Instagram TV thing and I haven't done anything there yet but I was thinking that might be a good place to post a video of uh like a tour of my truck so if that seems like a cool idea um shoot me a message on instagram at goat underscore doc or shoot me an email at goat at gmail.com or through the website which is goat um what else or twitter i think my phone will alert me if you tweet at me if you're a tweeter um my twitter is at goat um so yeah that's all the contact stuff um and i don't think i have anything else to ramble on about at the moment not related to the episode topic and i'm winging it a little bit with this discussion about horns on mostly goats um the this is going to be another one of those episodes like the episode a while back about establishing a new herd i think it was where i kind of had a you know this is an opinion based episode there's going to be some like scientific fact in it related to procedures and like the reality of horns and removing them or not um and when it is nice to do that uh but it's this is like kind of management and opinion episode two so you're gonna uh, get my opinion a little bit um and take it or leave it (laughs) here it is uh as always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinarian client patient relationship with your local vet. So talking about horns, what, what are horns? What is the point of them? And what do we do with them as goat owners? As, like, usual, I'm going to start talking about really basic stuff. Like, what are horns? And it sounds silly, but (laughs) we're going to get down to basics. Um, So, animals that have horns are, um, like, the the bovidae... uh, I think that's a genus, um, and, uh, so that's, like, sheep, cows, goats, and things like, um, pronghorns and things like the, the exotics, the, the wild animals that I am certainly not up on as I am dealing on a daily basis with domestic species. Um, but the difference between horns and antlers is that horns are permanent and have, um, like, their, their bone in the center. They are a projection from the skull. It's kind of wild. Um, the, and then they are covered with a keratin. So keratin is the stuff that fingernails and hooves, hoof walls and, like, hair is made out of so there's this bony projection and then there's this keratin covering um, which is what makes up horns 
obviously um, animals aren't born animals that have horns are not born with horns because they would that would be problematic for gestation and labor and delivery uh, so horned animals come out with little flat noggins and then depending on the sex of the animal and the species of the animal and like kind of how big the animal is too at least in my anecdotal experience seems to play a role um all those things will and probably like nutritional plane too as the animal the neonatal critter um, starts to grow all of those things are going to play a role in how quickly the horns develop um so that's i mean that's kind of basic like what is what are horns um and like why do animals have horns all the species of animals that have horns are prey species so the like primarily horns can be used for protection um also can uh, also like primarily protection and primarily like fighting in fighting or fighting with each other um like for dominance um for like mating priority for display um to like um, pass on the that genetic material of that individual because um, that's what it's all about with living things is not getting eaten and having offspring so uh, how the, the, that would be like the survival benefits of having horns uh, there is a little bit of an argument about uh, whether horns may be an effective uh, body temperature cooling mechanism for animals with horns uh, that's I've looked into this because this is often an argument that people who want to keep horns on animals uh, or goats in particular want to say that it's because it's part of uh it's mean to take them off because it inhibits their ability of their body to cool i i mean i'm not gonna art i'm not gonna get into like no that's wrong uh because really there's not anything out there to prove that it's wrong to to like there's no research about that there's not gonna be a paper that i can point to and say oh look x these animals with horns do better in hot climates or something like that there's not it's not really like how do you prove that um so some of the haired sheep um or goats with really really big impressive horns uh are they're gonna be a lot more effective if that cooling mechanism is necessary the 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 side think about like what the animal looks like and does it need that cooling mechanism um so if it's a like a hairy animal it's a hairy goat and like thick coated wilds you know mountain goat type thing with really big impressive horns uh that's going to be cooling a lot more effectively than like my nubians um which are these big like broad heavy-bodied dairy animals and when they grow horns they're proportionally not um that impressive 
as like you know your big mountain goats um so yeah um uh horns in our domestic species whether it's like sheep or goats or cows um are kind of managed differently um and I think probably the majority, at least of my patients um, that I see, uh, my goat patients that I see, have their horns removed, uh, usually very close, well, usually they are dis disbudded, so um, their horns are prevented from growing when they are very young animals. Um, cause that's, it has to happen. Like, you know, eight weeks old horns are going to be present and then they're going to continue to grow, uh, for several years. And, uh, that's, it's just the way it is. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm going to, I guess I'll talk about like the, the nuts and bolts of this and then talk about ethics and opinions later. Um, most often the management question about horns is do they stay or do they go and like I said most of my goat patients have do not have horns and that's because most of them are disbudded when they are young so disbudding is the process of devitalizing the bud of that uh, of the horn so that is like it's we call it germinal tissue um, and that is like this tissue that when the babies come out it isn't a horn yet but it's going to germinate like a, um, a, a seed like a flower seed or a plant seed germinates and it turns from this seed into a plant I've never really thought about that word and now that I'm trying to explain it it feels kind of weird but um same idea that transformation of this kind of uh uh quiescent uh tissue that's just sitting there into a thing that is growing um so disbudding is most often done with a disbudding iron and um, the iron is applied to the tissue surrounding the horn bud so that the blood supply is destroyed and that prevents like the nutrients and the oxygen and all the things that that germinal tissue needs to germinate into a horn prevents that from happening. Um, the that in my opinion, if you do not want horns on your animal is the best and most cosmetic and easiest way to not have horns on your animal. So with this budding being like, like I said, in my opinion, the best way to deal with horns, if you know you don't want horns, then I really strongly recommend disbudding. Um, the, the, like, how do you do the disbudding? Um, and there's a variety of approaches to disbudding. Uh, this is something that in the United States uh, can be performed by the animal's owner. Um, in the UK and I believe in New Zealand and Australia this is a procedure that must be performed by a veterinarian um, and the vet must use pain medication and I believe sedation as well uh, 
for me, the way I approach a disbudding depends on the patient and the client. Uh, there are different things I do depending on the situation and depending on the client's comfort level, um, as well as, I mean, the, the, the nuts and bolts of it is that like how what is the client willing to pay um you know there's a, a financial consideration for it so like the cadillac of disbudding would be a sedated disbudding with a local block so lidocaine block uh, some people will call that like freezing the area um, or call it like a freeze or something like that. So a nerve block so that the animal cannot feel the pain of the disbudding um, and also anti-inflammatory medications given. On the other side of that is a awake disbudding with physical restraint. And I've done all of those and everything in between so maybe like just a local block or maybe just anti-inflammatories or whatever maybe just sedation it really depends on the situation and what the client wants um i've had an interesting online conversation with a vet from the uk this spring who was asking me about disbudding because I had put a video of my goat kids, my disbudded kids on Instagram and she asked about like what do I do with them and for my own goat kids I disbud them at a very young age so typically before they're a week old and I do it with manual restraint and a disbudding iron. Um, I'm getting a little soft as I do this more, um, and I uh, sometimes I'll give them some Oxycam too, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Um, it's not fun. It's never going to be fun. Uh, you're taking a tissue that is alive and trying to do something, and you are cutting off the blood supply to it via a red-hot piece of metal applied to the animal's head. You absolutely can do this wrong. Um, I've seen complications from disbudding ranging from like scarring, probably the most common, I don't know if you'd really call it a complication, but like annoying thing to deal with after disbudding is called a scur. So that is a uh, like the, the little bit of horn that grows and it grows weird. Um, so the full blood supply to that horn bud was not fully destroyed and some of that tissue was still there and it was able to recruit blood vessels and nutrition and the um like the cell signaling molecules that wanted to make a horn were able to get the stuff that they wanted to make a horn but the horn is like kind of weird and curly and sometimes these are like loose on the head it's like a weird messed up toenail or something like that growing on the head with varying degrees of blood supply with varying size and shape and uh uh inconvenience they're like mostly they're a cosmetic consideration they're a lot more common in bucks because testosterone absolutely influences the uh 
like the size of horns and the size of skurs and how challenging or not it may be to do an effective disbudding and prevent skurs from growing. So, um, that's probably the most common thing that happens with a with disbudding, but also um, you can have anywhere anything from a skur, which is typically just like kind of annoying but benign, to death from thermal brain injury. Um, I've also seen uh, like scarring with uh, eye involvement, so the horn was too close to the eye and swelling happened either in the uh, retrobulbar space, so that's the space behind the eye, or uh, the scarring affected the eyelid and that messed things up. Um, I've heard horror stories of people leaving a disbudding iron applied to the skull too long and lifting the disbudding iron away and lifting part of the skull away with the disbudding iron. So this is not something that is like to be taken lightly. And this is why in certain countries this is something that should be done by a vet. Um, Interestingly, and like take, I, I say this statement with some trepidation, but um, like I was talking about the vet students uh, at our place for Adopt-A-Vet, um, we, we disbudded kids while I was there, and I put my kids in a box, and they're physically restrained, and I disbud them, and it takes about maybe two minutes per kid and the iron is applied to the head for maybe a total of 20 seconds per kid and the rest of the time is resting in between so I don't fry their little brains. Um, so the vet students were there for, for most of those and then like I mentioned earlier like we had a little doe that had entropion of her eyelid so I needed to attack her eyelid and I always sedate them for that because like I'm not messing around with trying to suture something next to the eyeball in an awake thing, no way. Uh, and I was like, well, while she's out, I will disbud her. And as I was doing that, I realized with them that, like, personally for my own animals, I am more comfortable disbudding them when they're awake because I worry that when they're sedated, they don't react. They don't yell. I mean, you're going to yell if a many hundred degree hot red hot piece of metal is applied to your head um, and uh, they don't yell when they're asleep <laughs> so I worry that I would potentially be more inclined to leave the iron applied to the head for a longer stretch of time and be more likely to induce thermal brain injury so that's I mean something to think about and then having said that, when I was like looking, you know, so I'm always like looking and seeing what other people say on about stuff when I'm putting together podcast episodes, I found some like YouTube videos and uh, like of, oh, how to disbud your goat kid. And one of them, the, the directions were to apply the iron for a good 10 to 15 seconds to one bud and like leave it on there for that long a period of time 
And as I watched that person do that, I got very, very, very uncomfortable because I absolutely never leave the iron applied to the head for that long a period of time. Um, I count to five quickly in my head when I apply my disbudding iron and then I remove it and I give them a good 30 seconds to a minute of rest time to allow that heat to dissipate. Um, Red hot metal, I don't know how many hundreds of degrees it is, but that is hot and just like when you put your finger on the hot stove or you burn it in the oven, there's like a moment when the heat is applied but it doesn't hurt yet and then all of a sudden it hurts so you've got to like like think about what you're doing disbudding is not something i recommend doing based off of watching a youtube video um i recommend having someone teach you in person how to do it um and doing it under the supervision of someone who knows what they're doing The other thing that I'll talk about here a little bit, and some people are probably going to be annoyed that I say this, but there's a lot of people who disbud animals for other people and probably charge for that service. Depending where you are, that absolutely could be considered practicing veterinary medicine without a license. Um, I think that probably like the UK and Australia and New Zealand would have a very big problem with that. In the United States, we're a little bit less, uh, I don't know, a little, little bit less on top of that than those other countries, um, and livestock tends to be a little bit, like, a little bit treated differently. Um, there's absolutely people that I see online that are like, oh, I'm going to advertise that I will come and disbud your animals, and then and charge whatever, like 15 bucks an animal. That's, you you know, whatever. Um, And I see those things and I just hold my tongue because that there's not, no one's, no one's going to chase those people down. No one's going to, you know, like have a, like the state vet isn't going to come knock on their door very likely. But if you read your state's vet med practice act, that very well absolutely could be considered practicing veterinary medicine without a license. Um, And I have a difficult time with it as a vet when someone disbuds an animal or does anything to an animal that is considered veterinary medicine as defined by the State's Practice Act, um, and they maybe mess it up, and then I have to come deal with it. Um, It puts me in an uncomfortable situation uh, and bums me out. So, you know, like I said, probably some people are going to get their feathers a little ruffled by me saying that, but it is something to think about. Um, if If I disbud an animal and I, like, I've had cases of, like, animals where people waited a little bit longer than they should have before disbudding, um, or even, like, my own animals. I'm, like, I'm too busy, I'm gone all the time, and then these animals are 
like bigger than they should be for like my normal disbudding routine and they should be sedated and they should be blocked and they should have pain medication because the longer you wait for this procedure the more pain is involved the more likely you're going to have scurs the harder you have to um, more aggressively you have to burn those heads in order to not have horns and there does come a point where you are talking about a dehorning rather than a disbudding and in my experience, that point is as soon as there is anything that looks like a horn. So even if that's like this little tiny thing, that is, but it looks like a horn, it's hard, it's smooth, it has no hair over it, that's, that then becomes something, something different that I, even if it was my own animal, I would absolutely sedate it and block it. And I would treat it differently because... One, I don't want to have to do it again. And two, if the goal to for that animal is to not have horns, then I want to do it and do it right and do it once. Uh, so it's done. Um, it's like I said before, it's not fun. Um, when I have, when I'm like by myself alone in the field and I have to disbud things and maybe like the client doesn't have a box to restrain their kids in for disbudding because I don't I have a box at my house but I do not bring it with me because of biosecurity um, and I don't have one in my truck because I don't I got all kinds of stuff in my truck I don't have room for that um, but uh, so like if they if the client does not have a means of physical restraint for me at their place, then by default, I'm going to use chemical restraint for disbudding that animal. Um, and yeah, um, I think I, I think I've covered the disbudding thing and gone off on a couple tangents that maybe have been talking about ethics a little bit more than I intended to at the moment. But uh, yeah, so disbudding is my preferred method of no horns. Sometimes things happen and you can't avoid dealing with horns and sometimes horns have to go. Um, horns might have to be removed for behavioral reasons, um, dealing with herd dynamics, or for example, um, an animal is brought into a herd and the herd is generally a disbudded herd and for whatever reason this animal is being brought into the herd and it has horns um probably more commonly things that i have to dehorn are um bucks and they're more not so much like full-on horns as they are like big scurs um and that is just because bucks are hard to disbud um I said I didn't really talk about this when I when I disbud goats I burn down through the copper ring um, and I remove the the cap of the bud so I never like I never really did that before this year and I started doing it this year and I really really like it I think they heal more nicely and more quickly um, and I have not knock wood I still have I disbudded my disbudded the last flying goat farm kid of 2019 yesterday Yes, yesterday. Yay! Um, 
and uh, so far they've all done pretty, they look pretty darn good. I don't have bucks where I'm worried that they're going to have scurs, and uh, I, they've healed, they seem to have healed more quickly um, because there's not that kind of like clump of dead tissue there. Um, I should have taken pictures of disbudding. Maybe someday I'll do a video or something like that. But I do worry, honestly, about putting a video out there because then people look at it and they're like, oh, I can do it. But, like, seeing a video is not the same as uh, being in person. So, back to the horns thing and dehorning. Um, dehorning goats... Um, I know, I know some vets that don't like to dehorn goats, um, and, but they'll dehorn, like, cows all day long, and that's fine, as I think it's just a comfort level thing, um, things to think about with dehorning goats, and like I said, most of these that I have to deal with are like, oh, this is like a gigantic weird skur, or something else weird, and it needs to go, um, when when I deal with these, like, these are going to be painful, and they're going to be bloody, and you need to think about what time of year it is when you're doing it, because I'm super paranoid about flies and maggots, and, um, like, I think just about every dehorning I've done... Uh, tends to open into the goat's sinus. So I talked at the beginning about how a horn is a projection, a bony projection of the skull. And if you were to have a skull with a horn, you'd be able to see like the skull's shape physically changes and the the bone of the horn goes up into the horn part, the, the keratin-covered part, and it's hollow. It's it, And that hollowness goes down into the sinuses. So if I need to cut the horn off to dehorn an animal, I'm going to make a hole directly into the sinus. Which, if there are flies around, flies can put their gross little selves right down in there and maybe lay eggs. Knockwood, I have not seen this in real life, but I do not want to see that in real life because that would not be a fun time. Uh, when I dehorn things, I absolutely am heavily sedating them. I am giving anti-inflammatories. I am blocking them with lidocaine. Um, I'm doing this while they are knocked out, and uh, I don't. I usually have help doing these. Um, usually have like a vet student or a tech or somebody with me to do these um and or an owner that's really really comfortable uh with this kind of stuff um i will use wire cutting wire to saw the horn off below the germinal tissue so that germinal tissue that i talked about at the beginning kind of makes a ring around the horn when it is like still there and the horn's still growing so you've got to remove that tissue and and or kill it by cautery uh otherwise the horn's just going to come back so to the best that i can i remove as much of the horn and the germinal tissue as i can with uh like sawing with a wire um, sometimes i'll use a scalpel and then i um cauterize the base of that with uh usually with my disbudding iron 
and they and that like there's arteries feeding that tissue because that tissue is trying to grow and they can be very annoying and bloody um and uh i i always place a bandage um sometimes it seems like everything's great and I place a bandage and then the animal wakes up and scratches its head and makes a big mess <laughs> it's very frustrating um, but uh, yeah so bandage is placed I try to keep the bandage on as best as I can um, sometimes I'll do like a little tube stockinette and they have a mask like a superhero um, and I try to keep that covered until the soft tissue granulates in and covers the hole, and then they kind of go on their merry way. Once that part is over, once the granulation tissue has covered the hole, like that's kind of the worst is over, and uh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I think I've done a couple of like. Usually, usually these are young animals where somebody, like, just didn't, they, like, something happened in life and they didn't get them disbutted or, like I said, a buck with a big weird skur. Um, like, usually, usually people make a decision about horns and stick with it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess that kind of that's that's kind of the nuts and bolts of horns or no horns um and then we, we can kind of get into the argument about should these animals have horns should these domestic species have horns um if you have an opinion like if you have animals with horns and you think they should have horns let me know like let me know i'm interested to hear what you think um Myself, personally, all of my animals are disbudded. Um, I, like I said, I do it before they're about a week old. The other thing about age for disbudding is even when they have little buds, um, I think that really, really young animals respond to pain differently. At least they seem to based on their behavior. Um, if I have like a little itty bitty doe kid that has barely any horn buds till she's like two weeks old and I've disbudded them when they're older they're more upset about it like they're more with it they've learned about the world and they're more bouncy and aware and they're very they're they don't they take it harder I think um but uh, they do seem to bounce back quickly. Um, the ones I've done with sedation, the ones I've done without sedation, everybody, like, there's always, they're always going to be a little sore. Um, it's going to be painful, but I think the, the younger you can do these, the, the nicer it is for them. Um, so... Yeah, all my animals are disbudded, and there's a couple reasons for that. One is that we started off with disbudded animals, and we kept going with disbudded animals. Um, I think... I, I personally think that this is something you should make a decision about for your herd as a whole. I worry about 
groups of animals that are that have like this group is horned and this group is not horned um the horned animals have a physical advantage to boss around the not horned animals like it's a physical change you might have some personalities of animals where like the horn a couple of horned animals are really chill and aren't going to be jerks to the animals without horns but uh if you've got a bully with horns, that's a problem for the more chill animals, like the more passive animals, the lower on the totem pole animals, especially if they don't have horns. They don't have a way to protect themselves. Um, we also disbud our animals because we, if people want to buy them and want to show them, that is a requirement from the American Dairy Goat Association for dairy goats that they need to be disbudded or dehorned. So that is important to us. Um, that places that want to buy them, like a, a goat without horns may be somewhat more saleable than a goat with horns. And that's important to us because we raise a lot of goats. Um, and also like people like to argue about the safety thing with horns like oh is it like they're they're gonna be fine nobody's gonna get gored nobody's gonna get their head stuck in the fence and not be able to get out because of the horns no human is gonna be injured by the horns and that's all well and good until it isn't I've definitely seen animals that have been injured by animals with horns and I don't know that I've personally seen people injured by horns but I am much more aware when handling an animal with horns that even if that animal's not being a jerk um, if that even if that animal is not intending to like snag me in the face with the end of its horn it very well could and not intentionally and it can hurt so like I would like to avoid that um and then what if the animal's a jerk and it's like hey I've got horns and I'm gonna use them and that is not awesome for anyone that may have to interact with that animal um Oh, once upon a time I got into a bit of a discussion with another vet in a in a goat group on the Facebook and uh this vet was quite opinionated and like I think he might have raised like boar goats and correct me if I'm wrong anybody with meat goats but I think you guys don't remove horns as a, as kind of a general rule um but he was like there's not a reason to de disbud or dehorn animals period and like and like it's painful and it's unnecessary and blah 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 so this is getting into like my opinion and like the ethics of the whole thing um 
like, yeah, okay, sure. You can you can make the argument that there is not a medical reason to remove that animal's horns, and I will agree with that. There there isn't. But sometimes animals, especially livestock, are subjected to some things that are not pleasant and not medically necessary because they are livestock and because they are managed in a particular way and they have to coexist with humans and they have to coexist in human with humans in a in like an amicable way in order for everybody to be happy um a like two minutes of pain of disbudding a young goat kid um followed by like if that is going to provide that goat kid with a better opportunity to have a long and productive life than sparing it that two minutes of disbudding pain I mean yes there's like inflammation blah 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 after that so even if it's like even if you want to say that goat is in pain until that lesion is completely healed that's several weeks I mean like if it's going to provide that kid with an opportunity to have a long and productive life and um that that seems like it's kind of worth it to me um it's going to make that animal easier to handle it's going to make it you know less likely to have problems with other animals um like, I guess, you, can you make the argument that it's not medically necessary to castrate anything ever? Maybe. Um, but you better believe that, like, my clients with cattle, especially, like, dairy cattle, like, Holsteins and stuff like that, like, I want you to, if you're not, if that bull isn't amazing and needs to be kept around and, like, semen's going to be collected and whatever, and Jersey bulls, too, like bulls are big and dangerous animals and let's castrate them when they're real little so they are less driven by their testosterone um and less likely to cause problems for humans or other animals within their group um like that that (laughs) sometimes these things that we do to animals like it's not fun and even our pets like even even a dog that's getting neutered you know that dog is getting neutered under general under general anesthesia with pain medications i block a lot of my uh canine neuters that i do um I'm, I'm huge into, like, pain management, multimodal analgesia. Um, because I think it, it's, not, it's not hard to take, like, 30 seconds and block those testicles. Um, but still, that dog isn't having a good time. It's like, <laughs> he's not like, woohoo, yay, I'm getting neutered. Um... And there's some pain involved. We try to mitigate it. We try to make it better. But ultimately, for that dog, it's probably better that he gets neutered. He's going to be less likely um, as he gets older. Ooh. Sorry, that sun visor is super loud in my husband's car. Um, He's going to be less likely to wander. He's going to be less likely um, to 
mark and have undesirable behaviors to humans. He's not going to make any any unintended puppies. Um, you know, we, we do some things to the animals that we live with, so it makes it easier to coexist with them. Um, and sometimes there are medical benefits and sometimes there are behavioral benefits. And I I think, actually, I think most of the time there are medical benefits and and or behavioral benefits. Um, And that's why we do the things that we do. Um, So, yeah. Um, I... (laughs) should have probably put this back in like the nuts and bolts part about horns um probably the only other like inconvenient thing about about horns and like disbuddings that have maybe not been 100% effective like I mentioned scurs earlier um I get a lot of people that are um worried about scurs that do weird things or sometimes they're not even scurs if you have um like a primitive breed sheep like a jacob sheep or um like i think icelandic sheep there are some breeds of sheep and maybe other animals too but i had a friend my husband and i have some friends that used to have jacob sheep and they had like wild horns like two horns on each side growing in all weird directions Um, And sometimes the horns in breeds like that or scurs on goats, um, weathers or bucks, seem to be overrepresented. Um, But they they can grow and do weird things and curl around. And people get really worried about the horn growing, like, into the eye or into the head. And they call me about it. And I come and I saw it off. Um, most of these that I've, I've dealt with in this way are like pet weathers and mostly I just, I just cut them off, um, with physical restraint and that the, the cutting wire that I mentioned before, um, giggly wire, uh, and, or jiggly, I don't, I don't know how, I think it's giggly wire, um, G-I-G-L-I. Um, I saw it off. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of blood from the inside where there is a blood supply to that. Uh, but usually I just cut them off, like, as needed. Mostly those guys, I don't, I don't, like, sedate them and, like, dehorn them. Because they, they kind of don't need it, usually. So that's what I do with those. Um... I think that kind of does it for horns. Um, If you have any questions about horns or comments or if your goats have horns and you think it's better, let me know why. Um, I mentioned all the contact stuff at the beginning of the episode, but you can uh, hit the contact tab on my website, which is goatdoc.com. And uh, I'll, I'll have some more episodes coming out soon, I hope. It's definitely a busy time of year. Uh, working a lot, on the road a lot. So I have time to record things, but I don't have as much time to edit them and put them online for y'all. Plus I'm watching Game of Thrones, and then I'm a super nerd about it, and then I listen to 
like podcasts about Game of Thrones and I get really into it. It's, and then the last episode's tonight. So then that'll be over this week. Um, <laughs> so I'll be more likely to record stuff in my truck instead of listening to podcasts about Game of Thrones. But I did see that HBO is about to, well, maybe not about to because they don't have a release date yet, but there's a trailer for His Dark Materials on HBO, and now I'm super excited about that. So, yeah. Um, I think that is going to do it for now, and I will maybe get some stuff, more stuff, like going on Instagram TV and post, I'm, I'm trying to, I feel like I'm posting more Instagram stories. Come say hi, um, and at goat underscore doc, um, I think some interesting, like, yeah, some, there'll be some, some news coming on there. I think I, I mentioned back earlier this spring that some some stuff's happening in my more personal life, but as always, it goes back to goats. So, yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it for the moment, though, and I will talk to you guys next time. Meh. <laughs>